Welcome, everybody. Yeah, another another show. Here we go. Ooh, a show. Not even an episode. I like it. On Broadway. Yeah, well, if you could see this side of things, that's what, <laughs> it's a show. Really, I mean, it's coming alive here in the closet. Whoa. Yes, we we're excited to be back. This has been just such a fun experience for us, this whole podcast journey. And, you know, today we were thinking about, oh, what are we going to talk about on this episode and how to start it out? And I thought we're going to throw it back to our original little description on our podcast says Jen and Steve chat about growing up in the Christian community and growing out of the Christian community. This podcast chronicles their disillusionment and analyzes their commitment to the complicated faith called Christianity. So today we're going to talk a little bit about one of the first things in our married life that launched us a little bit into disillusionment. But I just want to remind everybody about that second part of that sentence that says, analyzes their commitment to the Christian faith. And we want to remind you guys that <laughs> for those of you thinking we've lost our way, we want to remind you that we are, we do have commitment to the Christian faith. Yeah. Anyway, so this is really chronicling our disillusionment with Christian leadership and business practices, whether that's in a church or a school. And specifically for us, that was in our first jobs out of college as teachers in a Christian school. Yeah, we had graduated college. We had moved to Michigan. And if you remember uh, first or second episode, we talked about how we moved across the country without jobs because Steve was going to go to graduate school. And then I ended up going to graduate school as well. So we were just trying to get jobs and we were very excited to get jobs and be in that professional world, you know, <laughs> as you do after college. Imagine Jen has these wonderful pantsuit outfits to be whatever professional she might be. Oh, yes. I loved shopping at Express and getting those, like, the blazer and the pants sets, you know? I was feeling... Lots of those. I remember more Ann Taylor or no, Loft. No, 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 Loft. no. We... No, we we didn't have that kind of money yet. No, I was I was shopping at Express. That was uh probably leftovers even from from high school and college, but I was feeling pretty good in my pantsuits. You better believe I was ready for the professional world. Right. And part of what we want to talk about is also how we trusted God. I say that in more of a questioning tone because we were we were just trusting that Something would happen. There'd be jobs available for us in Battle Creek, Michigan, which it's. I think it might still be in decline. Uh, and we left in, in part of the early part of that decline. Uh, but we trusted God. But really, we had a lot to fall back on if God didn't come through. I had my family there. Yeah, we stayed with Steve's family for a week before we were able to get our apartment. <laughs> Uh, my mom essentially left her job as a teacher at this school and gave it to me. Yeah, Steve's mom was the math teacher at this school. And when she realized that we were trying to find jobs and needed jobs, she decided, well, this is something I can do. Very convenient. They also needed a soccer coach. I happen to have played soccer. Not that I'm that great, uh, but I still play. Arcado. 
here in Ecuador. <laughs> That's goalkeeper. Way to go, Steve. Because my foot skills aren't good enough. Yeah, well, do what we can. <laughs> Anyway, this, this idea that we were trusting God, we're moving across the country, we didn't really have jobs, we didn't have anything, we didn't have a place to live. Like, okay, what does that look like? So we get jobs at this Christian school. We had our professional clothes, and I, I know I was very excited about that particular element of it, <laughs> because, you know, in college, you're just wearing whatever you want to wear. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in the real world now. So busting out the pantsuits and all of that and the nicer shoes. And not only were we going to be in the professional world, but we were going to be in the Christian professional world. So we just felt a lot of trust and peace, knowing that we were going to be working with good people, people who loved the Lord and people we believed that we would be able to trust that if they said they were going to do something, they were going to do it consistent in their words and actions. We felt really good about this. Then we realized fairly quickly that the professional element at this particular school might be lacking. And first was they didn't even have their own school building yet. Which is okay. I mean, you know, make do. You're a small school very new it was their second year of existence yeah so we we were fine with that it was just a little weird that we were meeting as a school in a church sanctuary and that my classroom was defined by some big black curtains up on rods and i was on one half of the sanctuary and my husband was on the other half that's me oh yeah I was on the other side. I didn't have curtains. I had a chalkboard. And that was it. I did not. I don't remember having a chalkboard, but I had a a screen and a projector so I could use. Fancy. I know. I don't remember. I think I found it. I dug it out from some room. I'm like, can I use this? And they're like, of course. So I had the projector and the screen. So I used a lot of those. I don't even remember what they're called anymore. The clear plastic sheets that you write on. Transparencies. Oh, yeah. They're called transparencies. And again, I really like the idea that we were just scrappy and we're using everything that we could find kind of thing. That that part excited me. Yeah, we, we jumped right into that. We're like, let's do this. And I was like, let's teach some of these kids some English lit and grammar and analysis and whatnot. So we are gung-ho as teachers, and yet neither of us had ever been trained as teachers or to be teachers in college. No, let us remind you that neither of us went to college to be teachers. We never got teaching degrees. I have a degree in psychology, a minor in English. Ooh. So I had enough credits to be able to teach English. But I didn't even major in it, and I certainly didn't major in anything having to do with teaching. Right. And I was a physics major, math minor, philosophy major, but I could teach math. Physics and math went together, so that's what I did. We still, though, felt very, very confident in our skills. So we came in maybe a little nervous, but I would say mostly confident. <laughs> yeah, the, well, 
confidence is a nice way to say prideful or arrogant about our abilities. Now, we didn't necessarily have any abilities in the classroom yet because we didn't practice that. But we sure felt confident <laughs> in ourselves. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have confidence. We had it for sure. But we also had a lot of fun figuring out that, wow, teaching is great. We love this. We love making these relationships with the students, laughing with them, but also learning. I mean, it was a really good fit for us. And the school calendar year, perfect. Never got out of it. What Steve means by that is literally since we graduated college, we have lived using the school year as our year. So we have gotten summers off, sometimes a full week for Thanksgiving, two weeks for Christmas, normally a week for some sort of spring break. It's a good life, and we're still living it. So we're at this school. I don't think we would need to tell you but we're going to, that it paid pretty terribly. Oh, yeah, it was awful. It was awful. But we were young. We didn't need a lot of money. We were just excited to have jobs and have a salary. Very, very exciting things. Right. We were now professionals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when we were coming into this school, these young people coming into this school where there were a lot of other older, more experienced teachers and humans working there. That was another thing that we thought they're going to be helpful for us in just learning all of the things that we need to learn as teachers. And they're going to have experience and wisdom and all of these things. And while some of them did, I think one of the things that was very strange for Steve and me is that some of them did not. Yeah, we wondered what our role was in this professional environment. And yeah, that that was awkward. Well, I have one little experience that was just a really big surprise to me. There was another teacher there and he approached me and he asked if he could take my English class for an entire semester for them to work on and then perform the play Our Town. And this was a veteran teacher. I couldn't fathom losing my students for an entire semester to work on memorizing lines and performing this play, which, by the way, if you've read Our Town or watched the show, it is. I won't get into that. It's a little dull. But I mean, I here I was trying to teach my students, in my opinion, very important things, literary analysis, how to think critically, read critically, learning rhetoric how to use it in writing, how to use it in speaking, grammar, how to write good quality sentences and paragraphs and essays. And for him to come in and and think that I would say yes to this request was really surprising to me. I didn't know if that was because it was a Christian school or what, but I was starting to think maybe. Steve and I had this discussion a lot while we worked there about how it seemed like we were more concerned about teaching the students academic things. And it seemed like we were surrounded by a lot of people who were more concerned about making them into good Christian people. And this whole taking the students for a semester thing, he was trying to sell it to me as this would be a really good chance for them to bond in their relationships with each other and with Christ. And I was confused. A separate incident for me happened when 
there was a charity golf event with our school. This one was, okay, do we let our students, the students we're currently teaching, do we want them to be part of this golf outing? And so we kind of had a discussion about it. We thought, okay, if our students have a certain grade in each class, then they could be excused from class to go to this golf outing. So I was like, all right, great. Well, a certain student of mine then didn't show up on golf outing day. And I was like, what the heck? He's got a C in my class. The standard was a B who excused him from class. And the reality is... Yeah, a parent can excuse a kid for any reason, and, and I'd be okay with that. But if we set a standard, if we say this is what we're going to do, then I expect Christians to hold to that standard. I expect them to keep their word. So when I walked into the office and said, what are the standards here then? Probably not the nicest tone. That ultimately, and we'll get there, that labeled me as a hothead. Uh, not to mention that I was a soccer coach and I would yell at the refs and things. Oh, yeah. So it was just a question like, where are the standards? I mean, it was only one day of class. I get it. But we said it was a B. He didn't have a B. It was a really black and white example. And we were finding that these kinds of black and white examples, which you don't get very many of in life, might I add, we were being told one thing. And then what was happening was a was something different. And the disillusionment part was we were working for a Christian organization. We had higher standards for how that would play out. And it seemed to us that, I mean, this was no better than any secular organization out there. And that was really disappointing. So then when it came to trusting God, a lot of what we did in these early years with the school was you had to trust God that he was going to bring students, that they were actually going to pay full price tuition, that it was going to it was going to work. And, and because we started out in a church building, that we were also trusting God that there was going to eventually be a school building, whether we were going to build it or we were going to buy it. and. That aspect of trusting God is great. It's something that we hear a lot in the Christian community, but what does that even mean? Yeah, you're trusting God, but you're also doing things and you're being proactive. Like, I know that there were people on the school board who were actively looking at real estate, trying to find a good deal where they could buy a chunk of land and build a school building or or buy an old school building, which is what they eventually did. Right, and we, we also want to recognize that God calls us to excellence. This is something that we like to quote in the Bible when we're teaching. We're like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. God calls us to excellence, everybody. So you should do excellent on your work. You should always study. You should... Anyway, those are the teacher things in us. But the idea of trusting God to just provide it and then not having sound business practices seems illogical. So yeah, of course you should have sound business practices. Well, that also deals with sound social practices or maybe HR practices within that business. And that relates to us and our jobs there. So at one point we were called into this meeting where I'm not remembering everybody who was there, but some board members, the other teachers, the principal, the main people. And the board told us that we were going to need to trust God. They were not going to be able to give us a raise for the coming year. So who's supposed to trust God is our question here. Now, they're telling us to trust God to just live on the same salary we had the previous year. But if they're saying that, wouldn't they also want to show trust in God by giving us a raise and trusting that God will provide the students or the tuition? That was our big hang up with their telling us, you guys need to trust God. Steve and I were like, no, you guys need to trust God and you need to treat your teachers with more respect. Right. And it wasn't just for the two of us. We were thinking, gosh, this is no way to treat all of these teachers sitting at this table. They work really hard. 
Well, as much as we want to seem altruistic here, that we are talking for all the other teachers and why, you know, this this is unjust, the reality is, of course, we're vying for ourselves as well. And we have to admit some of our own hubris. Uh, I mean, hubris, but also we would, at least in this part of our lives, and maybe still today, we would use the Bible to say what we wanted it to say or out of convenience for us. And so I brought this up to a board meeting later. I brought up the verse, Proverbs 21.3. It says, To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And what they were asking us to do, because I'm pretty sure I heard the word a couple of times, was we're all making sacrifices for the good of the school. Needless to say, Steve and I did not vibe with that kind of business messaging. If you're going to run a business, you run it well. You don't run a business in, a, in the secular world and tell your employees, hey, no raises. We're all sacrificing here. You thankful, be thankful you have a job. Um, you're not worth that much anyway. <laughs> yeah, that was not a, a message that we took kindly to. And again, we were 22, we were 23 and 24, I think, when we worked at the school, right? Um, ish. And I would say we were still pretty idealistic in our lives at this point. And we thought, this is a Christian organization. It, it should really have much higher standards than secular organizations. And when it didn't, Ugh. in our opinion, and and the professionalism wasn't really there. We were the most professional people there. Yikes. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I was pretty cool in my pantsuits, but <laughs> I didn't have the experience that other people had I mean, I remember one time in class, I was up at some little mini whiteboard that I had and I was writing out something from like the seventh and eighth grade grammar book. And we got to the verb shine and I was putting it into past tense and I was I was writing shined. And this little girl named Terry raises her hand very meekly. And she said, Mrs. Knapp, I think in that context, it's actually shown. And I took a step back and I said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You are right on that. I am wrong. I am your teacher, and I am wrong. And so we had a lot of humbling experiences like that. But being so young and wanting to learn from older, wiser people and not really feeling like we were getting that was kind of a big blow to us and part of our disillusionment journey, I would say, in the Christian community at large. Yeah, and so another part of the Bible tells us to obey those in authority over you, or to basically trust that God put the right people in authority. That was tough because the people who were above us at the school didn't necessarily show good judgment in various aspects in our minds. Now, that is part of the problem for me, because if I think you're not making good judgments, I might actually tell you you're not making good judgments, and then we're going to have conflict. Steve referenced being called a hothead, and that was the perception of Steve by a few people at the school because he would get frustrated and he would have, I mean, he naturally has kind of an aggressive tone of voice, <laughs> okay. I would say, <laughs> in general. So when he is actually frustrated and he's talking to you, it's a little intimidating. Sure. So anyway, if I'm supposed to trust God that they're in the best position to make the best decisions and they're not making good decisions and then they don't have good explanations for those decisions. I admit to plenty of failures 
as a young Christian professional here. I let that spill into the classroom, where if I didn't like a decision and it affected either me or my soccer team or my classroom, I had a tendency to tell that to the students. That is unprofessional. Yes. And I was guilty of doing that a little bit in my classroom as well. You know, becoming more of a veteran teacher in our later years. Oh, my goodness. We look back on that and it is a huge regret. It's embarrassing. I'm ashamed of it. And I am sorry. And I really had a zero tolerance policy when it came to kind of the gossip in the classroom about administration towards fellow teachers to the point where I would start becoming judgmental. And that was another problem, which we can maybe talk about in another episode. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, lots of failings. We have lots of failings. Um, and ultimately, this failing cost us, well, cost me my job. And Jen followed, followed me out the door. Steve got fired. Yeah, we'll call it a mutual agreement to separate. Well, they didn't renew your contract. Well, no, they renewed the contract and then they tore up that renewal, even though I signed it. Oh. They rescinded oh, the offer. Goodness. Anyway, it there's a much longer story. Wait, that... wait, wait, wait. I just have to tell this one little piece. They did basically say, like, they gave Steve a chance to come in and speak to them. <laughs> and had Steve simply apologized for the tone of voice that he used towards the principal a couple of times, we're pretty sure that he would have had his job again. But Steve, being the prideful person that he is, was not going to no, do no, that. No, 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 no. Look, they basically wanted me to fake contrition and then give me my job back because that would have been easiest for everybody in the room. I apologized for what little wrong I thought I did. Oh, my gosh. And then I said, if you want excellence at this school, you will keep me here. Oh, my gosh. This is coming from a 24-year-old. They're probably thinking, this guy, this guy, what audacity. <laughs> I know. I know. I, even as I said it just now, I'm like, what What an a-hole. <laughs> totally. You totally were. You totally were. But I mean, we were so bitter. I, oh. We we had already told ourselves we weren't going to stay in Michigan that much longer, and it had already been three years. We had said, like, we're not going to stay at this school that long. It was just till we got better jobs. And uh, I, we never thought – I never thought I'd get fired, but now push came to shove. And again, there's a much larger story to this that might paint me in a bit better light, but mainly it was my fault. Yeah, I will say this. It came back to Christian business practices. So one of the primary reasons that I even had a conflict with the principal was I was running a summer soccer camp with MHSAA. I could not run it as a member of the school or as an employee of the school. That was illegal. So I had to set up my own business. I did that. Then the school told me I had to rent the field from them. Okay, that's fine. But I told them, all you're doing is you're taking money from me that I was already going to give the school. My whole business plan was all proceeds went straight back to the soccer program to get jerseys or balls or equipment or nets for the goals, everything. So I was not trying to make money and they were taking money from me and they told me the fee was for uh, cutting the grass and then we get there and the grass wasn't cut. Well, the whole thing was that they were trying to be more professional and like, well, 
we can't just let people come onto our field. We have to rent it to them and it has to be a contract and this and that. Like they're trying to be very businessy about all of this. So we're like, okay, fine. We acquiesced. We you know, rented the field and signed the contract. And then when we got there the first day of camp and Steve and I were getting there to set up, the field wasn't mowed. It was knee high weeds. We were just so embarrassed. We had people who had paid to come to this camp and there are weeds everywhere. It was humiliating. Right. So this is why my tone when speaking with the principal about this was not kind. And although I maintain I wasn't yelling, uh, it was it was what Jen classically refers to me as aggressive, for sure. And intimidating. Definitely intimidating. If you are on the other end of it, if I were on the other end of it, I would probably start sweating. <laughs> Just pit sweat, you know. But I mean, the, the reality is, I was like, if you were to treat any other business entity other than your lowly teacher like this, they'd, they'd never do business with you again. The bottom line is we thought Christian professionals were going to be better than secular professionals. And they weren't. And I don't even know if they were as good. And that was a huge blow to us in our early years. So another verse that I really like that deals with trusting God and um, promoting justice comes from when I was on the Associated Student Body at Azusa Pacific. It is Micah 6, 8. He has showed you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? This is what we ask. What, what does God require of us? Okay, here it is. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. He never asks for sacrifice in that passage. And if I were to take this totally out of context, totally out of the rest of the Bible, there are places where God asks for sacrifice. So I can't ignore the fact that that exists, but I can trust that he does want mercy and love and justice. And we felt that was missing in a lot of these situations. But he also asks you to walk humbly. And that's something I don't do well. And I, I have maybe grown more prideful the longer I've been married to Steve. But that is something that we are fully aware of and that we are working on and that we can look back in our lives and say that we have regret. Right. And part of the reason why we even do this podcast, and some of you may think, oh, they're just spouting off these terrible ideas or wah. No, the humility that we have at this point is that we don't know things, either that we can't know things or that maybe they haven't been revealed to us, but that we have doubts. We are humble enough to admit our doubts. Like we don't know exactly what it means and how it manifests to trust God, but it is a weird concept to us. It was at the time and it still is now when other people tell us when and how to trust God. Because if we have doubts about it, and then we have somebody else telling us, well, here's how you do it, and here's when you do it, that's tough for us as well. Right. Like, Jesus, take the wheel. Right? <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Let go and let God. Lots of catchphrases out there about it, for sure. I don't know. This is just us, right? I don't know if we've ever let Jesus take the wheel. That sounds kind of frightening. Very frightening. If you literally do that. That's one of those literal interpretations of that quote that you're like, ah, uh, don't put you, I don't know, 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 maybe now, right? It's 9 and 3 now. Nine, 9 and 3. 
Uh, just keep your hands on the wheel. Anyway, best of luck to all of you listeners as you figure out what it means to trust God and when to trust God. Right. And know that all of our Christian leaders, ourselves included, are fallible. And to question them, to make sure that they are doing things that they say they're doing, and that they don't use Christianity to justify odd business decisions. Or disrespectful business decisions. So if you remember, from one of our earlier episodes, we had mentioned we would never work in a Christian school again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can definitely say that the Christian school I'm a part of here in Ecuador is better, is different in a lot of ways. And I can also go back and say a couple of good things because we don't want to seem like what we're doing is ripping apart and being negative about the, the school we were at or Christianity in general. We're going to take a couple moments to say what we really liked at that school we worked with. Well, first and foremost, this is what I say every time, (laughs) but the students were fantastic. I still am in touch with some of them from all those years ago. They have families. They have kids. It's just crazy. One of them we support. She's a missionary in Alaska. It's It's a wonderful thing to be able to make relationships that last. And that is something that I took away from that school that I I wouldn't have gotten. Right. And I made sure to tell my soccer guys and girls, but the soccer guys, I had coached for three years, only the girls one year. But I said, hey, if you go and play soccer at the next level, that's awesome. We will come see you play at least once. And so we had already moved to Florida, but one of our... Our former students was playing at, I think it was Trinity College or Trinity University in Chicago. Trinity something. (laughs) Sorry if I got the name wrong. (laughs) We're like, his senior year, it's like, okay, we got to go. We got to go to Chicago. We've got to go see him play. And we did. And that was great. But one of the things I remember specifically, not just the students, but what the school did well. And we were were against it to begin with because we're like, oh, we're missing a week of school. They called it Missions Week in the beginning of May. And we were just assigned to take the sophomores to Detroit. One of the best experiences of my life, that missions trip. And I think the students would go back and probably agree with that. We had a really good time. It was such a learning experience. We stayed in a horrible part of the city (laughs) across the street. We were told there was a little playground across the street. And we were told that that was a, one of the, maybe the, the number one, drug dealing spot in the city at least in that area and basically don't go play at the playground at night oh gosh uh you know be careful and the thing that i liked about this this missions week is they did have a purpose they said okay ninth graders you were uh, local missions 10th graders were state missions so we went to detroit the you know the metropolis there in michigan <laughs> and uh then it was na- uh, national and then international missions. So we really actually came to like that week. We we always did the Detroit missions trip. It was the best one. Right. And it was really the best because of Steve and Simone Cato, who are, I think, still living in Detroit, doing that same type of ministry, which was living in community with poverty. Yes. Getting to know the people who lived in these 
quote unquote bad neighborhoods. Living in these bad neighborhoods, owning a home in these bad neighborhoods, uh, they would buy houses that were distressed, very distressed. We would help clean them up or like sweep them out or Mm -hmm. demo some stuff. And then they would they would try to get people in these houses, living in these houses, taking ownership of where they lived and wanting the house to look good, wanting the neighborhood to look good and making a positive difference in that community. And I think if we bring it back to how we can trust God, they showed trusting God that they would stay safe in a community like that. And it's true. We were safe there. So hopefully you realize that we're not just negative Nancy's over here. Complaining pants. About all these Christian leaders who have failed us, businesses that are run poorly, that we can recognize good when we see it, but we're going to question you if, if it's not good. And we're going to try to keep each other accountable to look back and see the failures that we had. So maybe just trust that that's what we're trying to do if you're listening. And uh, other than that, we out. (laughs) Right, right. We out. Uh, We are Red Weather Christians. I'm Jen. I'm Steve. Thanks for joining us. Leave no doubt unturned. Until next time. We out.